Hey there, Sean. Hey, Pierce. How's it going? It's pretty okay. All right. That means it's time for another episode of the It's Pretty Okay podcast. Let's do it. Let's start the show. Right. What a time it is. Uh, you might hear the occasional whimpering of our uh, our fourth. Yes, that, that's you. Uh, our our guest this week, uh, Emily's dog Harriet, who has made her way into the pod because my power's out because it's June. There was a fucking hailstorm earlier, um, and Anthony Davis is a Los Angeles Laker, and. Uh, Max has found a new way to get around the city of Boston. Yeah, I so have indeed. L- lots of upheaval all all over the place. Is it is it a hoverboard? Uh, no, but similar. It has wheels. Oh well, I think a proper hoverboard doesn't have wheels. I know that was disrupted a couple years ago in whatever uh, winter it was, where everybody bought those on Amazon and they started exploding. <laughs> but what what do you have that that has wheels? I have been um, bicycling, Ooh, but ooh. I did not buy a bicycle. Um, ooh. I bought a helmet, and I bought a membership to Blue Bikes, which is the city of Boston's docked uh, borrow-a-bike program. I'm, I'm sure I'm sure those of you that live in major cities are familiar with this. It's sort of mm-hmm. like there's little docks all around, and they have maybe between 15 and 30 little bike parking spots yeah and you can come and get a bike and then ride it around and then um park it at any other parking spot Interesting. yeah it's your capital bike share it's your city bike if you're a new yorker uh, so previously known as hubway in boston oh fancy name uh so meanwhile uh here in, in charlottesville they've been uh been in the midst of a six-month pilot program with the dockless bikes and scooters mm-hmm. uh ye old birds and limes um and so you know as i live my life as someone who walks and occasionally drives around town i keep seeing uh more definitely more so the scooters than the bikes um uh, but just strewn all over the place uh yeah. so <laughs> uh i i imagine uh, Max, because I think you said before we started recording that Boston is getting ready to start a pilot of the Dockless stuff soon. I imagine we probably have some questions for each other. Yeah. Yes, uh, the city of Boston is preparing to do a pilot of the Dockless scooters for sure, which I believe yeah. are just the, the scooters that you can just people just leave in their backyards? Question mark? <laughs> yeah. I, I would say as someone who, who is lives in the dc area we have all of it we have capital <laughs> bike share we have jump bikes we have all the different uh dockless bikes we have the scooters the one thing i haven't seen is the scooters that look more like bikes but i'm sure that those are coming um and we'll get to those uh later but I, i'm i'm curious about those i'm, I'm kind of curious about those um but yeah i, I mean this is this is a a fascinating thing and i think it's it's pertinent also in the time of when you've got you know basically next day if not next hour delivery certainly two day delivery from all these mm-hmm. different companies um everyone is realizing that that 
you know, we value our time, we value our money such that that last little mile from whatever it is, is if it's, you know, shipping, if it's the big FedEx center or the postal center down the way, or, uh, you know, the distance from you're a little bit far from the, uh, the, the metro near you or the T stop, but taking the bus is something that you could end up waiting 20 minutes to for a five minute bus ride, basically. I mean, I know it's a little bit longer for you, Max, but there are these calculations people are doing and there are these, um, you know, enterprising people out there who've said, well, what if we put you on a bike? And what if we put you on a scooter so that, you know, you have something that's a very low cost, but you can make your life a little bit easier. So I, I think this is fascinating that, you know, Max, I think you specifically saw kind of a need in, in your commute commute where you could use this. Is that right? Yeah. So I live, I live about a 30 minute walk or on a good day, a 10 minute bus ride from the closest T stop, which is the local subway. Um, but you have to wait for the bus and it could take anywhere from, you know, like you said, 20 minutes to get the bus. And then if it sits in traffic, that could be another 20 minutes and, so I found that I can I can bike to the mm-hmm. to the station. It takes about fifteen minutes. Yeah. So that's I nice. mean you're you're saving time there, and I think that one thing that's that's good that this is also working with from kind of an urban planning perspective is that uh, I know that DC and Arlington, places that I interact with a lot, have made big moves in making bike lanes better and and more observable they recently did a thing in arlington county where they moved the places where cars are parked as opposed to against the curb they moved them out so that the bike lane was between the parked cars and the curb um and that's a huge thing that's it's very big it's huge in europe big in (laughs) europe but it's true it's true i mean that really creates dedicated areas for these so and i noticed some of that in boston too and i would say that given that charlottesville is it's not a college town in the way other places are college town but given that uh that reality i think that it's always been a kind of good city for bikes so um or interesting i would actually i I would actually beg to differ somewhat i think and you've actually biked there so you can you would know a little yeah a little bit it i would say that I, i actually think that a lot of the uh, bike lane coverage in Charlottesville feels a little spotty to me. Um, I think the, I think UVA, I think the campus grounds, whatever you want to call it area is pretty good for that. I yeah. don't know that the more sort of downtownish bit of Charlottesville, which is what I interact with the most is very good for biking. And certainly the Emmett barracks 29 area is just very not good and very dangerous for that so uh, you you mentioned the last mile problem and i i think that i think that there are some similarities between between this stuff and shipping you know it, it it is true it is inefficient to it is inefficient to take something the last mile and that's so that's why you know more and more i've noticed that um like you know if you order something on amazon more and more it's being shipped through a method called ups surepost which is that rather than ups driving its drivers on routes to deliver to your homes they're actually delivering to post offices and then the postal service 
which is already making those neighborhood home level runs every day takes it the you know proverbial last mile yeah um and and so that makes a lot of sense because there is already an efficient uh, well there is already someone else handling the last mile anyway so it's inefficient for ups to be doing the last mile too that's fine yeah but the difference here is that we had the last mile covered already it was our feet we were walking and so like i i'm i'm sure there's going to be a, a heavy element of old man yelling at cloud here um uh, i detest the dockless scooters I, I, I'm sure I think about dockless scooters the way, like my grandparents think about smartphones. Um, which is to say, that the minute one is in your hands, you turn into probably the worst version of yourself that has ever existed. Um, it just, to me, you know, uh, for the sake of. You know, I, I think I've argued ma- in many different cases against on this podcast against efficiency as a be all end all. And, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> you wrote something, uh, Pierce, th- that is going up this week um, as soon as you get a chance to look it over, which is my way of saying I finished editing it. Please look it over. Mm-hmm. Um and you made some arguments about, you know, people's liberties. And, and it made me think of kind of the old, the old thought of like, you, you can do whatever you want, as long as what you want doesn't infringe upon my ability to do what I want. And what I want is to be able to walk to work without possibly having to trip over a scooter that someone left in the middle of the sidewalk because they are a mannerless asshole. Yeah. And and I think that that's that's fair. I have apologized on this podcast before because I've thrown a dockless bike because someone left in the sidewalk. That is you're a hero for that in my book. Well, that's that's definitely a that's like understanding this tool and how we're supposed to use it type type of problem. Um, I would say that your it's important here, though, because your experience with these these dockless items is probably way more in that camp than kind of people also taking it to work. I would point out for me, there are a lot of people taking those to work. So (laughs) because they're going to work and it's not just some goofy joyride, they are pretty knowledgeable where they, where they put it. Sometimes they will put it places because they want to be able to use it again. And so other people's don't, or other people don't. I I mean, I would say Max, you probably, well, you're not seeing any of the dockless things, um, but you may still have, awareness of that well yeah i think i mean i've seen in charlottesville i was there recently and there were i i saw multiple scooters in people's backyards some of whom i knew um so that's you know that's definitely happening there's also the interesting thing where i guess you can get paid to to charge them yeah which is fascinating the thing that i think and i I don't know how to talk about this but i'd be curious to think i mean they're, they're the advantage to dockless right off the bat to me, is that you can take them exactly where you want to go. Um, 
but they're not always available where you want them. Where I yes. know with the docks, I, I sometimes I worry that I'm going to take the bike to my, my dock, and if it's full, I have to go pretty far to find another dock or parking spot for the bike. And yeah. it brings me into a really ironic question, the irony in what I do for work, <laughs> but I'm curious also in the equity when it comes to where these docks are placed. Because with dockless, I think they'll naturally flow to mm-hmm. areas where there's certain types of people who are using these bikes. And that's so most, I'm not going to say inevitable, but it's 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 yeah. going to happen regardless where the the docked bike, someone is, someone is consciously choosing where to put these docks, where to solve this last mile problem. And the someone, again, is... <laughs> Ironically, may- maybe what you know related to what I do for for work, and I'd like to dig into it. But um, you know, I think there's definitely an equity question there, which is like, is one of them actually better than the other in terms of providing an equal opportunity service to the entire community? Oh, I think there's no doubt about that. I mean, it's to me, to me, the inevitability that you described and wondered whether it was an inevitability is as much an inevitability as people leaving the dockless scooters in the sidewalk. It's, you know, it's all. It goes to the question of like who is taking Ubers. Any time, any time there is like a tech, you know, what we think of as tech-powered solution, which is to say, like, you know, high tech, probably VC supported. Uh, I think it's almost a guarantee. That the usage of that immediately flows to the people who are more predisposed to be, you know, invested or or exposed to the high tech VC backed world. Yes. And just to point out the irony of the situation I was explaining is that the the sponsors of the Blue Bikes program in the city of Boston and surrounding areas are the cities of Boston, Somerville, Cambridge and Massachusetts Blue Cross Blue Shield. (laughs) So, so I think that, I think that the idea of, of where they're going and how you place them correctly is really important. I think to an example, and I'm, I'm glad you got on that too, Max, in, in terms of, you know, well, we, Sean, you said we used to be able to use our feet before. So I'd point to an example well, of we something. Can now. We can now. Huh? We, we can't, well, that's, that's what I, we that's can't what. If there's scooters all over the sidewalk. Well, that's, that's what I, but that's what I want to say. So I would point to first, let me give an example. A couple of years ago, um, Houston redid their, 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 their bus system. Uh-huh. They didn't build any new stations. They didn't do anything. They just looked at the data and they said, huh, who's actually taking this, this bus? So that's really like a human centered design concept and thinking about who's actually using these items and how do we get it to the people who need it. Now, this is different because we, we don't have the bus to base it off of. But one thing that we are noticing is, you know, Max lives in Somerville, which, which I would say is a, a gentrifying area. Um, I don't live in Columbia Heights or Petworth or Adams Morgan in DC, but a lot of my friends do. And I think that those are also areas that have gone through a lot of change. But one thing that people used to do is they lived close enough that they could walk five minutes. There is this idea of like the quarter mile and then the half mile circle around transit stops. It's what they draw in all the maps, which is a very big thing. I mean, it affects property values tremendously. But what we've got now is you've got places like Somerville, 
which are not in that quarter mile, not in that half mile. It's more like a mile to your T-stop. So I point out, and I think you, you get into this in a lot of the major cities. I mean, just think about, you know, Sean, I think you spent a decent amount of time in, in Williamsburg in Brooklyn. Um, and then some of the areas where people have started to move, you know, out in there, be it Bushwick or, or Bed-Stuy or whatever. Our cities are changing and they are, they are. not necessarily along the same lines as people are not living in the same places that they once did. And certainly the way that you can commune with the city is changing. People are living in Williamsburg and working in Manhattan on purpose. So right. I, that's why I see your, your criticisms of saying like we used to walk. Totally agree. But also we're living in places and thinking we can still have the city because there's not a lot of affordability. Yeah. So when you see a scooter come along and you can stretch out that, that 30 minute walk into something quicker, um, for like $2, I understand that thought process. I, yeah. And, and to, to ease up on, on my, my yelling at clouds a little bit, I, I get that too. Uh, I actually have spent basically no time in Williamsburg, but now both of my siblings have had that, borough to borough commuting experience my brother lived two years in brooklyn um not in clinton hill but near clinton hill i think and commuted to the new york times building and now my younger sister is doing a summer internship in brooklyn and is living you know is living in lower manhattan and you know i think that i think that new york seems a bit like an interesting kind of unique case just because of the setup uh, uh you know of the city but but it's it's a good point that without you know without access to dense you know affordable uh housing options in the major urban areas that we've decided that young people have to flock to to you know to start successful fulfilling lives you know inevitably people do get pushed farther and farther out and even if you're not going like farther and farther out of the city farther and farther away from the most kind of desirable housing locations like so i get it i just i wish i wish there was a better answer and and i like i'm i'm also kind of an outlier case because i just i love to walk i'm perfectly happy to you know to say, well, I, I guess, I guess if I have to go a mile and a half to get somewhere, like I'll walk. I'll be a little sweaty when I get there, but like I can, I can deal with that. Sure. I mean, I, I love to walk too. I think it's. I think you're you're right that, um, you know, I, I don't I don't know that it always necessarily has to just solve this last mile problem though. I mean, I, as as cities expand, a lot of these major cities have public transit systems that can't keep up. I mean, I can only speak to Boston's, but I know that the local transit system, not to get too much into it, but the MBTA had, I think two weeks ago, they had two two train derailments in one week, and the prices are going up at the end of the month. And people aren't happy about that. And so the interesting thing is, as you pointed out, you like to walk. Um, If I wanted to walk from my house to work, it'd be about an hour and 15 minutes. But I biked the whole way today in 32 minutes. Yeah. So it's for me, it, it can almost not just solve the last mile problem. It could allow me to to fully bike and avoid the transit system. And I, I don't want to go too much into no, I, whether or not it should be supporting transit versus the biking. But I think having these these options is 
is inherently a good thing, but I, I get your hesitation. We, we need a solution. Is this the right one? I mean, we're going in the right direction, but... So, so I think I think, so. I think that, that is a good point. I, and, and Pierce, you mentioned Houston and, and their sort of data-driven approach. And I wonder, you know, even if it's not specifically for Boston, like, you know, it, it seems to me like it would be... It would be of more use maybe first for other cities to take that kind of approach and say, how can we make our, you know, how can we make our public transit systems better first? Because I think there is a difference between the data-driven approach and the tech-driven approach. And just way too much, it seems like, in, in... like all of our facets of life, we've reached a point in 2019 where the answer, I mean, it's, it's like that, uh, it's like the Chris Rock bit where his dad tells him to put Robitussin on his broken arm. Just like throw, throw some tech on it, throw, you know, build an app. And, and that's, that's not right. Like that's not the, it's not the best way to solve this. And I think there is, I do think there is still some value in, you know, in getting, uh, giving people options that might circumvent kind of what we think of officially as the transit system. But I would argue that in a lot of ways, it sounds like blue bikes is actually part of the transit system. So I, I think there's, I think there's room, I think there's room to interpret it in different ways. Like, I, I think that, you know, I think that like capital bike share is probably a better thing than, you know, is probably a better way for, for DC to approach, you know, finding good ways for its citizens to get around than, you know, DC partnering with bird. I don't, I don't know. Am I, am I wrong? Am I, am I just, am I, am I being, stubborn and stuck in 2004 so the no the i think one of the issues is um so i would give i would give the example of of georgetown in in dc which is a place where a lot of people go and want to go um especially tourists who who you know don't want to have all the museums but want to go shopping or whatever and see something cute and as you move kind of west of there and north uh there's a lot of cute stuff and there are there none of that is metro accessible and it's done yeah. on purpose so one of the things that you have to consider with all of these um is that the when decisions were made when the maps were drawn uh places that were looked over and excluded is because of purposeful oddheim's purposeful s- systemic inequities um and so is this, you know, in some ways the city already failed once to, to do this. So I see so your point, which is to do it right now. Should we trust that, them to do it right now? Because, because you could say we need it in those areas and a longtime resident of those areas could say, well, you didn't serve us and we were here the whole damn time. So why, why is it now? Because you've got or, all these young or, tech people moving here or you have people that are there that have benefited in some way from not having the service before. And they say, no, 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 we don't want the, you know, yeah. NIMB- they NIMBY it. Yeah. And that's um, kind of the, the Georgetown so, version of this. Right. It's this, you know, it's the San Francisco housing. It's, 
you know, it's honestly, it's what's going on in Charlottesville right now. You know, there is, frankly, there is a major, major shortage of, you know, of cost-effective housing in this town that I live in. And it it's a, it's a problem. And p- the people that own single family homes don't want dense housing, you know, particularly in kind of the residential neighborhoods around the downtown mall. And their argument is, but parking, no, your argument's not about parking. Well, you know what your argument is about. Well, and you bring up parking and I'm glad you brought it up because one thing that, you've you've mentioned you don't like the dockless vehicles and i get that they can be annoying whereas whereas the situation that you're talking about max with the the docked bikes it costs you money if you put it wherever it doesn't cost you anything to put those things wherever but there's a decorum uh i think it was last year i saw a response to the hubbub especially in san francisco about these dockless things being all over the place and i would point to the original dockless vehicle is the car and things were built around it. You know, it started being, I guess, you know, if you park your car where you're not, where you're not supposed to park it, it got fined, but they had to get together as a community and say, we have to deal with this scourge, uh, which is these dockless vehicles, these cars parking, these cars, double parking and whatever. So I would say if anything, my expectation would be that we, we learn to live with them. And that's where you want, your local government to come in and say, we accept this, we see the benefits, but we need you to play by some rules at least, or there's going to be fighting in the streets again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. I, I, I'm, I'm willing, I'm willing to accept that there are positives to this. I just, you know, I don't like them. I've got my reasons for not liking them. You know, some of them, it's mostly just a feeling that, uh, on the one hand, we run to, we run to, you know, tech to fix our problems. And one is that, you know, to a certain extent, there is an inevitability that when there is a new technology, it will then be used in a ways that the creators did not intend and b the literal worst ass way possible. And, mm-hmm. You know, I just, I will say that my favorite, my personal favorite experience in Charlottesville's dockless scooter pilot program was around St. Patrick's Day. Uh, I was sitting outside a coffee shop on the downtown mall, minding my own business, enjoying life. And then I saw out of the corner of my eye, I saw two teenagers to teenage boys known for being just the worst people in the world teenage boys are just horrendous um and and they were riding scooters up the mall now downtown mall is a pedestrian mall it is a pedestrian only mall motor vehicles of any kind that are not like you know motorized wheelchairs are verboten None. No skateboards, no bikes. So scooters are illegal. You can't have them there. But teenage boys being the teenage boys that they are, they said, screw you, dad. We're going to do it anyway. Um, 
And so I'm watching this happen. I'm just like, I'm, I'm getting mad. Blood's starting to boil. And then, like a, just like a caped crusader swooping in to save the day, I watched a man literally shout the boys off of the scooters. Uh, it was, you know, it was a Saturday. It was busy on the mall. And he, he yelled them off the scooters and read them the riot act about how what they were doing is dangerous. And I just, for a moment, I wanted to be that man. Yeah. And, and that's good. That's, that's kind of, you know, community standing up for community. But I would say that if they had been doing that with skateboards, you would have been upset too, but you wouldn't have blamed. Absolutely. Yeah. But you wouldn't have blamed like, the skateboard companies for the existence of skateboards. So I'm just saying, like, that's fine. I, the spirit of what you're saying well, is fine. If skateboards but, had been invented in 2018, I probably would have. Yeah, and it would, and and we realize in 2018 that blaming skateboards in 1984 would have been dumb. So I mean, give it time. Fair, if fair hey enough. hey, if you want to, if you want to eat meat raw and cold, you don't want to, you don't want any of the fire. Be my guest. If you get sick, I, I mean. You can just go to the bike share and maybe you know in Boston and get the the healthcare from the the bike since they're sponsoring it. But all right, fair enough. All right, I'll, you you have another. Uh, you got a final thought, Max? I got one final plug. Great. Uh, from your mom, wear a helmet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just just do it. There are so many people on these bikes, and I'm sure they're going to be on the scooters, and they are not wearing helmets, and. As I mentioned, I work for an entity that analyzes data, and some of the data we analyze has to do with, you know, things that happen when you don't wear a helmet. So just wear, please wear one. Can't get a prosthetic head. Can't get a prosthetic head. Fair enough. Protect your brain. It's your moneymaker. All right. I've uh, I've been a grumpy old asshole for long enough. So uh, so let's wrap that up and move on to uh, Pierce's sorry. What are you uh, What are you apologizing for today? Um. So so today is is more of a a self apology but I say it to help others. I really do. Because and that, yes, this is that I feel I feel the same way, dog. It was it was an un it was an unfortunate experience. Uh so I had in my head that one thing that I don't think gets washed enough in our households is is our pillows. You wash your pillowcases, but and maybe you do it frequently, maybe you don't do it quite as frequently. But your pillows also, especially it's the hot, sweaty summer times, um, your pillows are getting dirty too. So I decided I would wash my pillows. Um, let me tell you, don't wash your pillows. I mean, wash your pillows, but I don't know, find like a... No, don't a, wash your pillows. I could have told you this two, uh, six and a half years ago because of an incident that happened in college. Definitely uh, wash your pillows. <laughs> when, when you wash your pillows, your pillow, you buy new pillows. <laughs> so, so I guess, I guess really what I'm apologizing for is, is I'm a big proponent of trying to use the dryer sparingly um, and definitely not high heat. It took multiple days to dry these pillows. <laughs> Oh, I mean, buddy. like not going straight the whole time. Oh, but buddy! I just, I just gotta say, if you're I gonna, know. if you're, if you're gonna wash your pillows and you're gonna dry them, just really find, I don't know, find a sauna somewhere and just leave them in a sauna. Um, no, the sauna is the dry one. 
but uh, you know, leave it in a sauna and and just let it go dry for a long time uh, because it just it's impossible. So I'm I'm really sorry to the environment for for drying my pillows multiple days. I was trying to do the right thing by me and and everyone else by you know having clean pillows. Uh, but you know, I, I failed, I failed the, the world and, um, you know, trying to be more conscious of the one we've got, just like we only get one head, we only get one earth. So there you go. See, I can at least blame my, I can, I can at least blame my pillow washing incident on an, uh, on a night where I, I think I, I found myself feeling the need, uh, to do laundry while also the drunkest I've ever been in my entire life. Um, so I, I, I'm not sure what exactly your excuse is. Um, but y- yes, washing pillows is very bad. It ruins pillows. Um, okay. So, As someone who washes my pillows pretty regularly, I don't know where your washing machines and dryers are going wrong, but for those of you fellow listeners that also like to wash your pillows, I say fairly regularly, like maybe once every six months, um, Never had an issue with it, so oh, good on you. Hopefully, you can write an article explaining how to wash. But now that I know pillow. that two out of three people don't wash their pillows, I'm going to start selling pillows. <laughs> I would love to know more. Uh, okay, so we will uh, we'll close the show as we do with uh, a big idea from pop culture. And did have I talked about my? Yeah, I talked about my radio show. Um, what else has been going on in the world? Uh, you know, I, I love new music. Uh, I like like hearing something new that catches your ear and makes you go, "Ooh, I like this." Uh, and and I got a new album for you. It is called Midnight, and it is by Steph Chura. Uh, I will because I've said that now. I will track down some of her music and and use it as our in and out song. Uh, it's just like I have this soft spot for kind of chunky distorted guitar indie rock it's great uh you know it's got it's got some sunny pop hook type stuff to it but it's also a little little beefier and rockier this it's a good time good to support indie record labels i think i think her album is on polyvinyl who if i haven't given love to them before uh yeah yeah. is that a pokemon (laughs) polyvinyl is not it's that's it's pronounced slightly differently um, but yeah, so, um, Steph Chura, the album is midnight. So go check it out and enjoy that. Yeah. Uh, all right. That is the end of the show. Thank you to Harriet for joining us this week. Um, you can find us on Facebook or Twitter at pretty okay pod or at our home on the web, www.prettyokpod.com. You can subscribe to our show pretty much wherever you get your podcast. If you do that, Thank you so much. Uh, please do us one more favor. Leave a rating, review, comment, that sort of thing. Or if you have a friend who you think might enjoy what we're doing, tell them about the show so we can share it with them as well. We'll be back again next week, as always, to talk about something else. Until then, I'm Sean. I'm Pierce. I'm Max. Thanks for listening.